And we now have head coach John Brannon on the line from Philadelphia. Coach, congratulations on a remarkable win. This is a game Bearcat fans are going to talk about and savor for a long time. I will start with a very simple question. How? <laughs> How did you win this? Well, I think it showed the character of our team. You know, and I've said this before. I love the character of our team because they come back every day after tough losses. They come back every day after all those things we've been through. So that speaks to their character and their consistency. First and foremost. And the other thing is, we got we got tougher. Uh, that's all we preached. The last, it's interesting. Two weeks ago, we thought we were going to play this Temple game. It was on our schedule. We talked about taking the toughest team on the plane. Right? If you were a, if you didn't think you were one of the toughest guys on the team, then we weren't going to take you. And uh, they got canceled the last second. So and now, since we play Philadelphia, uh, we play in Philadelphia again against Temple. Same thing. So it's interesting that when it came full circle, same thing. Toughest team on the plane. We certainly did that. You know, our defense was tenacious in the first half, flying all around. In the second half, we were able to hang on some defensive breakdowns in the second half when they didn't have our voices. For the first time all season, we actually executed offensively in the last few minutes. Obviously, you guys were wrecked with COVID throughout. I don't know how many had it, but you had an interesting lineup tonight. One of my favorites, I saw him last year, Rob Banks got the start tonight. Was he a part of the group that was just healthy enough to practice all the time, or did you see something else that you wanted to? No, no, he's one of the tough, tough guys who was maybe you know, didn't miss a practice. So it helps when you're out there. A lot of guys miss a lot of practices. So, you know, I knew it would be a you know, mismatched group of guys. We had some guys playing out of position. You know, we're trying to run certain sets. They're looking over me. Coach, I'm not sure. I know that's this position. I will change the set right in the middle of it. And then, you know, it's like I told the older guys all night, listen, I want you stubbing yourself out. You're so tired. I mean, obviously, I do the stuff. But I had several guys because I need one. Come out and you'll go back in. And uh, I just thought our toughness really was on display. And, you know, that, that's who we that's who we're going to be. That's who we are. And, and we just got to bring it out of these guys on an everyday basis. Temple had a better free a field goal percentage, better three point percentage, better free throw percentage. But you forced 19 turnovers. You had five block shots, and you had nine steals. And that speaks to that effort and that toughness that you were describing. Yeah, we were flying around. You know, didn't get any charges. Sorry, Terry. But we got blocked shots to the rim, and we got, you know, we really moved. And <laughs> we really uh, we really did a good job in scouting. And, you know, Coach Hunt did a great job in scouting. I thought we did a great job really personnel-wise of sitting on guys with the right hand. I thought it was the first time all year we really, really understood personnel. And, you know, when, you, when you're swimming up spring sometime with a young team, the things that help you win, and winning's hard, right? are the details and uh we were finally in position not only through toughness but through the details of the game to get to the right spot and to and we got a lot to clean up you know we come out of the huddle and we our system stalls up what's coming and we double team the post and the guy dives for a layup so there's things we got to get better at at the same time really proud of these guys and how they finish the game it seems like you're with, with the lineups you had on the floor your team needed a boost with some some leadership out on the floor and did julius took it under his winning to go out and really set the tone career high 26 points 10 of 18 4 of 11 from downtown talk about his effort today it was outstanding you know, I told him, you know he needs to be a heart and soul of our team for his effort he brings every day he's as consistent as anybody on our team he's an everyday guy and i, and I knew he's a shot maker now and i've said that since the beginning he did it in michigan his whole thing is he's never played point guard at the collegiate level and he's so competitive that he wants to prove that he could be an elite point guard he's done that Second in the league, it's just a third race, almost three to one. Second in the league, and fifth. He's shown he's one of the elite point guards in our league. Now I feel comfortable. I expect him to continue to score the ball 
I mean, may not twenty two tonight, but I certainly expect him to be more of a score going forward. Right, you've won bigger games than this. You've been part of championship teams the last four years. But is this one of your most memorable wins, all things considered? Well, I'll tell you one of the reasons it's memorable. I'm doing, I'm doing my radio show after the game. I'm getting FaceTimed by my daughters right now. I'm the full way. That, that, that right there just shows you exactly yeah, where we're at in terms of you guys. The officials walk by. Which I thought we had a great officials game time with some better officials. But, Dan, it's, it's, just, it's just different in so many ways. I mean, just so you guys know, we had to stay outside of Philadelphia to do the protocol. It took us an hour to get to the game today. We had to get to the game. Five guys yeah, are escorted from their bus to a private room to get tested with COVID. Mm. Well, the team stays in another room. We wait for 30 minutes, get all the negative tests, come back in the locker room, and get ready to go play. But what these guys are going through on a daily basis, again, how I started our conversation tonight, it speaks to their character. And I knew we recruited high-character guys. We just need time to gel as a team and have their talent show. And hopefully we took the right step forward tonight. Well, I get upset when I'm in the airport in Atlanta and they tell me that I got a delay from weather. Well, you guys are going through it, but yet you find a way to get it done. You know, looking at Chris, Chris Volt, he only had three points and really didn't score the ball from the floor. But his impact defensively is really what allowed you guys to take leads of 10 and once again, leads of seven. They, have, they came back, but I thought his energy was something that helped you guys change the flow of the game. Great point, Terry. He was a, they went small and put their foreman at the five spot. He's a really good driver and a very capable three-point shooter. Uh, and he was able to stay in front of him. And with the sense of ball, he could go in front. And then he was able to help on the back side. So I really thought his defensive performance was outstanding. And, uh, again, everybody contributed. At least everybody that was able and healthy That's contributed. Right. And uh, look forward to hopefully getting the rest of our team back soon so we can continue to, you know, take a step forward and, and play a lot of games in a very short period of time right now. Could you be back at full strength on Sunday? Uh, I have no idea. I'll go back and the medical staff and I will uh, get together and uh, they'll give me the answers to that and then we'll go forward. Enjoy this one, Coach. Thanks, guys. All right. Congrats on a great win. Cincinnati victorious in Philadelphia tonight, 63-60, the final score. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll come back and wrap things up in just a bit. This is Bearcat Basketball presented by Ucrate on News Radio 700 WLW. Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Coomer, you already know. Do we even need to introduce it? Yes, we do. It is a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat basketball fan. Indeed it is. Look, I would have agreed with that just by playing the game. The Bearcats went 25 consecutive days without playing a basketball game. I missed it dearly. We didn't know what to expect today on the court. Players were off the court, not practicing. Guys were getting COVID. Who knows how they're recovering? They're not able to get their normal exercise and wind in. But yet, while starting Rob Banks... While bringing Keith Williams, Tari Eason, and Micah Adams-Woods off the bench, the Bearcats managed to pull off a victory over Temple at Temple, 63-60, Hummer. 
it feels so good. It feels better than good, man. It feels, it just, it feels great. There's, there's no better way to describe the feeling right now of coming off of three weeks of, frankly, some of the worst basketball we've seen the Bearcats play in a long time. 12-ish years. Back. Probably about 12 years. 12 years to playing probably one of the best games we've seen in the last at least 12 months. Pump the brakes. All right? Maybe Pump. not 12 months. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, like, maybe, like, maybe like three months. <laughs> I don't know if it's the best game we've seen the Bearcats play, and and I'm not going to trade adjectives with you on on whether it's good, great, stupendous, amazing, sensual, uh, arousing. Sensual, you're going with sensual. I felt I'm feeling a lot of emotions right now after this game. No, the Bearcats. It's not necessarily the best basketball they've played, but I will say that is one of the most gratifying wins we've had. You know, it's the most gratifying win of the season. Let's put it that way, because that Temple game on Senior Night, Jaron Cumberland, Trey Scott. That was probably the, the, my favorite win of, of this last year or so. But this win, when you consider everything that was going against the Bearcats, Mamadou Diara, Zach Harvey, neither of them made the trip. It was clear that Tari Eason is still on the mend and probably get recovering from, from being sick, given how, how many minutes he played and just how he looked on the court. Guys are not at full strength. They're subbing themselves out, just like John Brandon alluded to it. And despite everything going against them, they pull out the victory. It wasn't pretty. Um, but man, let, the guy we need to start with is David DeJulius, our Lord and Savior. The guy looked amazing today. An absolute monster tonight. Like, let's let's seriously be real. I'm, you know, it, it sounds kind of corny, but something happened. There's something coming up, and we're about to pay homage to the man who just dropped. How many how many points did he drop tonight? Was it 26? Finished with 26 points, points, 18 shots, 11 three-pointers, made four of them. Just really aggressive, aggressive from the get-go. You could tell he came out in this game, and it was clear, I'm going to be assertive. I'm going to try and be a bucket getter for the Bearcats tonight. And it's just not someone we've seen him be throughout the season. Did you hear the comparisons they were making during the game? Well, I, I heard I heard one comparison. I heard, you did hear I heard one. flashes. I, I don't know if Steve I'm ready. To, I heard, I'm not ready if I'm not right, quite ready to go there yet. But, I mean, but he was excited. He likes this. He really likes the Cincinnati Bearcats. He was very excited about what David Julius was doing on the court, and he may have compared him to Steve Logan. And it may be a bit inappropriate and a bit premature. But look, the guy was on, for hit when you compare how he shot the ball. All Someone season, who should have their jersey retired, by the way, relatively on fire. I mean, on fire is, is the right word. Eight, 10 for 18, 4 for 11, 2 for 4. Was that, I guess, he was the best free throw shooter on the team tonight? Well, he shot above the team average. The team finished at 10 of 21 from the line for 47.6%. Yeah, that was clearly a struggle point. Uh, I think they somewhat jinxed Micah, Micah Adams Woods there at the end of the game, shooting 95% from the line. I was actually about to rip off a tweet of, of saying, look, that free throw percentage is why Micah Adams Woods is going to regress to the mean and see his three point percentage improve. Sure enough, he ended up missing the free throw free throws. So maybe it's more likely that his free throw percentage actually regresses to the mean, but regardless, we made just enough free throw summer. Just, just enough is definitely the word to say, but you know what? That's the only, that's the only negative I actually have about this game because the rest of it, three week, 
like what they say they kept they kept saying it over and over and over i couldn't hear it enough 25 days without playing yes i know i tried to find everything in the world to distract me from the fact that the bearcats weren't playing basketball and you just had to keep shoving it down my throat that they didn't play for for 25 days i mean you were yes. so desperate you were out here investing in in gamestop and giving stock advice on the podcast i mean it was rough times brutal but there's something i saw tonight which was frankly just an amazing defensive effort I saw, I saw guys just, it looked like it's hard to say this because I don't want to like put anybody down, but I feel like I saw the Bearcats playing with heart tonight. I feel like they were playing with the chip on their shoulder. They came into the game. Like I want this one. This is the one I want. I want to win this first game back. And it showed they were hustling. They were even Chris, Chris vote, who has been a liability looked good on defense. He was for the most part in the right spots at the right time. He did what he needed to do to be effective for the Bearcats. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the moral of the story for a lot of these guys. I think the Bearcats ended up scoring 40-plus points uh, before, a th- before a fourth Bearcat got on the score sheet. The first 40-plus points were scored by Jeremiah Davenport, DeJulius, and Keith Williams. I, I don't really want to leave the DeJulius topic yet because I think the question is, and, and John Brandon alluded to it during his postgame, it does seem like this is going to be a version of DeJulius, a more hybrid scoring guard that we're going to need to see for the rest of the season. And it sounds like John Brannon expects that from him. You know, I don't know if it's because of the health. I don't know if it's because of, you know, Keith Williams coming off the bench, which we didn't really get to hear why that decision was made, but we can always chalk it up to COVID and the break. And who knows? I don't think it's merit based that he's, that he's getting benched over Rob Banks. Um, but because of that, David, I don't, I don't want to think, I don't think any of the benchings. I know we alluded to it on our live. None of the benchings were merit based. Let's, let's be real. No, but I think it's a way you could do the math. And it certainly seems like these are guys who probably were impacted by COVID. They probably were not seeing time on the court in terms of practice, probably not as in shape as they would typically would be. And for that reason, they probably all saw their minutes limited this game. Maybe they were just, it's an air of caution. You know, there's, there's a lot of if ands that we don't know about that surrounds the long-term effects of this. So frankly, I'm happy to see that we were able to go into the bench. We were actually able to display some depth, which we've lacked all season. We were able to win a game by starting Rob Banks. <laughs> and it's not, it's not, or is, is not that why we Rob won Banks. the game? Like, are we not giving enough credit to Rob Banks? He look, he was in the right spots at the right times. You didn't see him getting beat on defense. You know, you saw him at least in the first half being aggressive on offense. Not he didn't really finish, but look, what more could you ask for a guy who's played three minutes his entire career? He it was stepped ama- up in a time of need. He he took all three shots in the first, I think, five minutes of the game. I mean, he came out like a guy who was expecting to go out there and drop 20, you know, and the moves were good. He got into the lane, had a couple open mid-range, you know, floaters and and missed them. But I like the aggression. Defensively, he's very um he's thick. Like he's a he's a big, thick body who you would he looks like he'll be good defensively, had good hands, uh, got a couple deflections, ended up with a steal. Rob Banks, like, is he earning more minutes as the season goes on? Is this a is this a new element to the team? Um we'll pump the brakes, stop there. I'm going to say pump the brakes. I'm going to, I'm going to put the stop sign up and say, I'm not going to be calling for Rob Banks for more minutes. If anyone was, it would be you. I'm going to, I, I guess it's actually to say like more minutes. Um, I, they don't have the minutes, minutes stats up yet. 
I, I guess actually, you know what? I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the brakes off and I'm gonna say yes. He played well enough tonight to actually earn seeing some time on the court. I don't know what that time is. Is it two, three, four minutes a game? Definitely, I think he may have elevated himself from a victory cigar to being someone who can come in and give someone a breather. Maybe it is just the fact that he is a victory cigar and playing him will lead us to victory. Maybe he is just the magic touch we need to really give this team an extra oomph. Because of you, our awesome listeners, we were supposed to end the homage slang and discount today, February 4th, or yesterday, I guess, because you're listening. But we get to extend it for one more month because you guys are so awesome. So we get to pay homage to you. Founded in 2007, Homage turns back the clock with shout-outs to eclectic moments and personalities in sports, music, and pop culture. From Barry Larkin to Kenyon Martin, Homage tells stories of triumph, individualism, and hustle, preserving the old school and creating new legacies. Pay homage at www.homage.com. How'd you like that little ter- that little spin up there, Coomer? How do you like bringing the uh, the Kenyon Martin into the homage fold? Ah, uh, you know it. You're, I'm a sucker for Kenyon Martin and Barry Larkin talk all day. Well, tell me how you feel about chili, Hummer. I am a huge fan of chili, particularly Cincinnati chili, which is much maligned around the country, and and co- it's completely unfair. And later this month, we will be celebrating National Chili Day, and homage is here to help you celebrate with a collection of t-shirts that pay homage to Cincinnati Chili. Tons of options, t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, sweatshirts. There's even a great NBA Jam style t-shirt that has Kevin from The Office with his infamous bowl of chili that he spilled all over the office. I just love it. Incredibly endearing. I personally can't wait uh, to cop some gear to celebrate the holiday. This is This is the equivalent of Christmas in Cincinnati, folks. National Chili Day is a big deal. You can celebrate by visiting www.homage.com. And when you check out, use the code SLANG and at checkout, you're going to get 21% off. What else is going on this month, Hummer? Look, Nickelodeon is in the house, and Travis Kelsey is all that. Get your vintage Nickelodeon t-shirts. I'm pumped about them. But look. You don't have to just shop online. You can go to six stores all across Ohio, including their over the Rhine Street location right here in Cincinnati. Tell them Cincy Slang and sent you, and you will receive 21% off your entire order. We don't know how long this one's going to last. It was a surprise to us as it is a surprise to you. Thank you. Take advantage. We appreciate all your support. I definitely miss seeing Zach Harvey on the court. He was certainly one of the most exciting players we had going right before the COVID break. Uh, scoring oh, yeah, and, double your, and your boy, do Your boy, do was not And Mama do too. You know you know I miss Mama do. I was, I was hoping to see him out there as well. Hopefully the two of them are, are getting healthy, feeling good, and able to get on the court you know, as soon as possible. Of course, John Brandon gave us nothing. We have no idea whether we're going to have a full roster for Sunday. But man, well, you it can't just, blame it him. He can't, good. he can't give, he can't give you that information because there's, there's a, there's a lot of other rules that we don't know. We don't know what's going on. And we've talked about this before. That's why I've kind of dubbed this second half of the season, the exhibition season for the next three weeks, we're going to see what the cats are made of. And we, 
we're going to basically we get to reevaluate everything. We're starting we're starting at zero and zero as a Bearcat fan right now. Your expectations are we don't have expectations. So let's talk a little bit about that because we you do have to reframe how you think about this entire season from this point on. You know, I think the first 10 games was the season being in, impacted by COVID? Yes, but in the same way that everybody else else's season was, right? You're not getting as much practice. You probably didn't get the same off-season regiment that you're used to. Um, who knows how it, certain individuals are being impacted? Gabe Madsen opts out because of COVID. Um, but now here we are in a situation where in the middle of the season, the team basically went without, went 25 days or nearly a month without practicing consistently. They're not on the court regularly. They're not working to improve their, their ability to run successful offensive sets or working on their turnover issues or just getting in the consistent work that a team would do or even the, the game reps to work through their challenges. So they don't have that. And now they're also in a situation where players are not don't have the same fitness that they're accustomed to. And as fans, I still want to see the team go out there and compete and play and win and pull off some tough victories down the stretch. But I also have this in the back of my mind thinking, well, who's had COVID and how has that impacted them? And do they have the same stamina? And are they able to have the time to work on the, the weaknesses and deficiencies that they've shown all season? It just, it's a lingering elephant in the room that I think we have to keep into consideration or at least in the back of our mind for the rest of the season. No, I, I mean... That's why I said I'd pray for preface this with uh, it's the exhi- exhibition season. We got to see where it's going to go. It, it, more than ever now, it's about seeing individual improvement. For instance, like Chris Vote may have only scored three points and they were all at the free throw line, but Chris Vote probably played one of the best games I think I've seen him play all year. He was in position on defense. He wasn't getting beat on one-on-one drives. He got beat I think once on a one-on-one drive, but he was in position. He wasn't. He didn't foul out of the game, which is phenomenal. He actually. He finished the game with two personal fouls, and they were honestly probably good fouls. They were good fouls. They were fouls that you want to see, the type of fouls you want to see him commit. And he had a couple good defensive stops, and he had some He had some rebounds. He had five rebounds tonight. He was the second leading rebounder on the team. That's what we want to see out of him. Grab the ball. off the Grab the ball. You know, he, he should have had some more points. He, the, some of those field goals that he missed, those will, fall, those will fall as time goes. But I feel like that's what you want to see. You don't want to see the offense run to him. You want to see him being a good role player in this squad. And I saw that's what I saw from him tonight. And I loved it. I absolutely loved the Chris vote that we saw tonight. Well, with Chris vote, less is more, right? We don't, we're better off. If he's going to be on the court, we are better off if we're not running the offense through him. And I thought in the first half, you saw a team that wasn't insistent on getting the ball inside to Chris vote on post-ups. And because of that, the offense was a bit smoother, a bit more free flowing you know, I'd argue they probably were jacking some, some, a, a bit, maybe too many threes, some reckless three pointers. But in the second half, it did seem like we did only shoot. We shot 30%. We were nine, nine for 30. Yeah. We did not shoot great. We're not a great <laughs> shooting team and we won't be a great shooting team all season. But the point is, the point is that it, it's a more efficient offense and the, and the offense has a better chance for success if we're not just insistent on jamming the ball inside to Chris Vote on every possession. Cause I do think we got in trouble in the second half. When we, we, I think John Brandon looked at it as we have a mismatch. Temple's got a smaller man on Chris Vote. We just aren't good at entry passes. And so we struggle to even get the ball into Chris Vote. We miss him or, or we, we 
we get him in a position where he's too far from the hoop. And it just is a, it's a clogged toilet stalled out offense. So when he's playing a role where it's not running through him and his primary reason for existing out there is rebounding and, and creating offensive havoc in terms of offensive rebounds and putbacks, that's where he can really succeed and be a big, big impact role player for the Bearcats. And I think he's better served in that role. And I think that's exactly what you saw tonight. All right. So we have DeJulius as the MVP of the game. That's, that's unanimous. Now I know when we got live, we said that it was a pretty much a team effort. Everybody's kind of playing their roles. So who is your second all American MVP of the game? Who's, who's the player that stood out to you as having the, the second best performance of the night? In terms of the second best performance overall, I'd probably say I'd probably go with Jeremiah and Keith were both good. I don't think you can argue that with, with their point production and how hard it was for us to get buckets. I think the two of them were crucial. Uh, Keith Williams, you know, in, in the second part of that first half was outstanding, uh, knocked down some critical three pointers to keep us in the game and then help us go on a 10 0 run to take the lead. And then in the second half struggled, but down the stretch came up with a huge one-on-one defensive stop where he got the block and knocked it off the temple player out of bounds. And then obviously had a crucial finish over two players in the lane. So I thought Keith Williams was all in all quite good, especially when you consider that he was coming off the bench and likely not at full strength. And then Davenport was his usual energetic self, you know, overall just solid. I mean, he's got a reliable three point shot. It's, it's amazing. Um, I'm officially a believer. It really does seem like this guy is a knockdown three-point shooter at this point. What? Hold um, on. Hold on. Say it again. I need to hear it. Oh, I was not really like a complete skeptic. I'm just, I wasn't sure if I could completely believe the shooting numbers, but it seems like the guy is truly a knockdown shooter who, when he shoots, I walking generally offense. feel good about I think, it. I think that's what we've said at some point, walking offense. He's, I mean, come on. He's, not, a, he's a shooter, right? right? Like his offensive role is the best shooter. players on the court. If not the best player on the court, not tonight though. Julius was that best player on the court, but he's become, no, he's one of the most important players on the team for us. Yeah. Thank um, you. So yeah, no, no qualms of Jeremiah. I'm glad to see him out there. I'm glad he was available for us tonight. Cause without him, we're probably in trouble. But if there's someone that's really worth mentioning who stood out and we haven't seen much of him this season, Mason Madsen gave us some nice frisky minutes out there, uh, pulled down four boards, just generally looked comfortable, always in the right spot, made a couple nifty passes, uh, had a nice drive and finish at the hole. Um, look, Mason looks like he's going to be a guy who can give us, you know, seven to 10 minutes a game for the rest of the year. And I'd love to see him in a role where we can run him off some screens and get him some open looks. Cause there's no doubt in my mind that he's a knockdown shooter. He's so freaking confident out there. We need to see him get some, some more open looks that that's, that's a need. I think for, for the future success of the cats here is, is seeing Mason Madison, get the ball in open, open space to be able to take a shot. Cause we know he can shoot I, tonight. I don't think he had enough open looks every time, every time he got the ball, someone was guard on him. But like you said, he made some crispy passes. He seems to be sure with his decisions where, where he is throwing the ball. He had a few turnovers tonight. Uh, well, it doesn't, it doesn't officially give him a stat as a turnover, but I think if when we see Yahoo stat corrections in the morning, there's going to be one there um, where and, and Saunders, I think was, was uh, guilty of this as well, of just trying to make a, a forced entry pass into the lane. Um, but other than that, no, I think they're great. I give my second MVP though. I do give it to Keith Williams. Uh, 
I don't think his his five personal fouls reflects his true performance tonight because he only had three. Um, yep. Two of them were absolutely egregious. Uh, one of them, he just basically took the ball with with two hands out of the other defender's dribble. Uh, absolutely horrendous call. And then the other one with a drive where he was basically straight up and down. You couldn't have asked for a better defense. It, it, you couldn't. What do you want him to do better? So I honestly thought he played fantastic tonight. He had he. He felt it too. You could see it. He took a couple step back threes, just big shots, made them when you needed them. He, this is the kind of Keith Williams you want to see. You want to see him, you know, taking his, but he's not the center of the team. You don't want him being the center of the team. You want him to just be, I hate to use this analogy. You want to see him be Scottie Pippen. Yeah. You want, yeah, you want no, to see, you want him to be good. Well, if possibly the best I would player take Scottie team. Pippen, I take, like, I don't think Scottie Pippen's an insult. And I think that's the problem when people think of this stuff is that you, you tend to think negatively about what the second fiddle is, but in reality, you need really good second, third, fourth options on a team. I think what we found out and, and I wrote up, I wrote up an article first one on cincyslangen.com. Go check it out. Uh, tried to put into words how we were feeling about, the rest of the season, how to really look at it, but also, you know, some specific players and skill sets from those players that we're looking to see the rest of the season. One thing I brought up with, with Keith Williams is that his usage rate this season going into tonight was over 30%. Um, I forgot about Ken Palm. I get to use Ken Palm. You get to use Ken Palm and his Ken Palm usage rate was over 30%, which just to put it into context is about the same usage rate of Jaron Cumberland the past two seasons. And when you think about their skill sets as players, Keith Williams is not a guy that should have a usage rate anywhere close to Jaron Cumberland. Um, Cumberland is a guy who not only can get his own shot, not only can get to the rim and finish in the lane and, and knock down three point shots at a, at an outstanding clip, but he's an outstanding passer. And he's a guy who can easily get you five to six assists a game and make, make the lives of his teammates easier. We saw it night in, night out last season for the Bearcats. We definitely saw it his sophomore year, his junior year. That is a reliable go-to guy who a higher usage rate makes sense for. Keith Williams is not the same creator. Jaron Rate's assist rate is in the 30s. Keith Williams is at 14. He's never been a guy who is a create-for-others type player, and because of that, he needs to be picking and choosing his spots better. Sure, I want to see him definitely create for teammates better, but at this point we get we know what he is. And so knowing that we need to find a way and that's why to to go off the rails here a little bit, to Julius being more assertive is naturally going to lower Keith Williams usage rate and it's going to naturally make him a more effective player because it's going to take some of that alpha burden off of him and he's not supposed to be that guy. To Julius needs to be the key, you know, the, the keys to the kingdom guy, the guy who's driving the train, the conductor of this train, that needs to be David DeJulius. David DeJulius is what we, we, we discussed our, I remember at the beginning of the season, we were talking about going back and forth about how to rate the guards as we're going through since we have so many of them this year and kind of breaking them down into what their NBA counterparts would be, you know, whether you're a four general, whether you're a shooting guard and, and what kind of guard are you? Because it seemed that the types of guys that we're recruiting, the types of guys that we have, that we're going to have a very versatile set of guards. DeJulius is a floor general, and he needs to be a floor general. He needs to be the guy with his hands, the ball in his hands, the majority of the time, leading the offense and, and charging into it. You 
but Zoffer, not just being a general. Like I don't want him just. He needs to be a shooting guard. So he needs to be. He needs to shoot as well. No, he needs to be. He needs to be a threat on the court. Like if if in reality his role is going to be more similar to what Jaron Cumberland played for the Bearcats last year, a guy who can create at the end of a shot clock, get into the lane easier. He's got a better handle. He's definitely a better creator. Like it is. He is a very reliable point option for the Bearcats. And it's putting more pressure on the defense if he's actually looking for a shot, which he did tonight. It's interesting that you, you put it in, in those terms of basically you want the Julius to be more like a Jaron Cumberland because Jaron Cumberland is a unique player for the Bearcats, you know, one of the all-time greats. Where does that put Micah Adams-Woods, who was kind of before this break, was kind of sharing that role with the Julius? Are we, I think, are we calling for or wanting to see maybe what – the team would look like if we split don't split that as much we maybe move it to a 75 25 split between the two taking it up the floor that you're putting the ball into julius's hands i mean there's still going to be opportunities but micah hasn't been hasn't been great in the lane you know he's he's not finishing at the rim well this season and he hasn't been a creator as much in my opinion micah his his perfect role for this team is a role player, right? He's going to be filling in the gaps. He's going to be, you know, a a lockdown defender defensively. He's going to hit the occasional, you know, corner three pointer for this team, try and spread the floor as a threat. But otherwise, like we don't need to lean on, on Micah Adams woods in that capacity, especially when you consider that, you know, the six man for this team didn't play tonight. Zach Harvey's going to come back and he's going to hopefully be healthy and able to play this season. And if he is, that's the instant offense spark off the bench that we didn't necessarily have tonight. Well, I guess we did. If you, if you count Keith Williams, uh, but when we're in the, in normal times, <laughs> You're Zach Keith, Har- Will- Keith Williams is our new spark off spark the bench, off the bench behind Rob Banks. Uh, no, I mean, Zach Harvey is a is a big miss, missing piece for this team, and hopefully he can come back and hit the ground running for where he was. Because, I, you know, I looked at it. The last four games, he was shooting 66% from three. Harvey Look, was lighting the world on fire Harvey, over the last Harvey four games. When Harvey comes back, let's be real what we want to see out of Harvey when he comes back. We want him to see what the Julius just did. When you get the ball and you're open, shoot it. If the guy is playing you three feet off, step back and shoot it. That's what we want to see because we know that's what we want to see. We, he has the ability to make the hit, hit those shots. We want to see it. It's kind of like the same thing where tonight I, I was a little frustrated at times where Saunders seems to be lacking confidence in his shot. He seems to be lacking confidence in his drive with his speed that he has. And there was some times where he was just too wide open to not take the shot. Hummer. We talked about this at halftime. I know, but he's too and wide open. No, You're there's, too an, wide there's open. an old adage, and it's you're open for a reason. And Mike Saunders Jr. came into this program as a guy who had elite, elite speed. You know, speed that you just don't see from any other player across the country. He's one of the fastest players with the ball in his hands or out of his hands. Active on defense. Great in press. Great in man-to-man. Tons of potential in that capacity certainly is going to be a guy who can push the pace, dribble drive, create for others. There's one thing he wasn't coming into the season, and that was a knockdown shooter. In fact, it was the liability in his game. Has he made strides in that department? By all accounts, he has. Did I see you you tweet earlier this week or earlier today something about Mamadou needed to take more three-point shots? Mamadou needs to let that thing fly. 
Yes. And soda, if you're going to say Mamadou needs to let that thing fly, then so does Mike Saunders Jr. Based on what evidence? We don't have any evidence that, to the contrary. We've had 10 games. We have a 10-game sample size of Palmer, saying Mike Saunders can't shoot wide we open We had threes. Tyler Glazier on the podcast talking about Mike Saunders Jr.'s game. He scouted him. And one of the liabilities in his game is that he's not yet a knockdown shooter at the high but school you're not level. Become, you're not going to become one without actually shooting it. It's the same, it's the same thing with, with uh, my boy Ben Simmons and all of his faults with how good he can be, but the fact that he can't shoot a jumper because he never does it. But then when he does do it, he knocks it down sometimes. Look, he's That's not like, going to get confidence Here's what I'll compare it to. It. Do you want Chris Vogt shooting threes right now? That is a completely erroneous. You can do you want Chris Vogt shooting threes right now? You cannot you compare Chris I'm asking Vogt's you three point shooting prowess to a, someone who can actually has a minute, someone of a jump shot. Okay, Mike Saunders Jr. is more of a threat than Chris Vogt. But 100%. if you're a bad shooter and if you're not making them in practice, which I'm assuming is not, why would he go into a game and start hoisting? Because you're five feet open and they're giving you all day. You're open for a reason. Have, you're open for what, a reason, what, Hummer. What did they scout you for? For 20, 20 When we're playing pickup hoops, played. when you're playing pickup hoops with me and I'm laying five feet off of you, you don't just start hoisting three-pointers. You know that I'm leaving you open for a reason. You know that I know you're outside of your range and you can't hit that shot consistently, and I'm daring you to shoot it. There's a reason he's being dared. He can't If he can't knock down the shot, don't, don't just start hoisting irrationally. Now it's not irrational. He's open by five feet. There's no one there within. There's no one even on his side of the court. Basically, if you're five, no one's five feet away from you. Look, take I'm, your time. I'm asking you this. Has take Mike your Saunders, time. Take your time. Take one of those shots and take one of those times for you. Get, you know, get yourself set. One second, one Mississippi, two Mississippi. Make them come out and guard you. Open someone else up. If they're not on top of you, then it's it's limiting what else is going on the defense. If you're too much of a non-threat on the perimeter when you get the ball that they don't, they can stand five feet off of you, they're basically playing four on five on four. You can't, that's unacceptable. So I want to see him do it. I want to see him get some confidence. Look, this is all the rest of this season is all practice. I don't have any expectations of this team making making the NCAA tournament. Granted, we did just see ECU beat Houston, so maybe there is a no, chance you, for us to they're competing. Like we want to see them win games. I do, and play successful but I want to see. Basketball. I also want to see players growth through here. I want to see him okay. get some confidence in a jumper. Hummer, look, he's this season. Mike Saunders Jr. is five of eighteen from the field, shooting twenty seven point eight percent. He's over five from three. He, there's no confidence. evidence. He's taken five shots then. Five what if the threes? opposite happens? What if Mike Saunders Jr. just went out there and started jacking shots and started missing them all? What happens to his confidence then? Well, you're only going to get it one way or the other. Look, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Saying. You've taken five There's, all year. Here's Mike Saunders Jr. And that apparently means two of, them, two of them were tonight then if it's over five all year. Very specific role on this team. And that role is to push the pace when he gets the ball, defend like hell, and when you get the opportunity – collapse the defense and kick out the shooters. He can do those things. He can do them well. That's the well, skill. Fine. When you have on. a guy that's five feet playing five feet off of you, drive at him, drive at him. You have the, you have the momentum there. The guy, the guys. Do that? Standing. Yeah, absolutely. He can definitely so do then that. drive at him. He needs to do something other than just stand He's a there freshman, the man. He's a freshman. He's a freshman. Right. He's going to get is there. the growth opportunities we're talking about. Right. This There's is what I want to see. Growth opportunities. Okay, I still want to see them compete and try and win these games because the team is good enough to win games in the American Athletic. 
This well, is not yeah, a good conference. We talked about this Temple during was awful. our. We should have. This we. This no, we should we, not have blown them out. The team is coming no, off this a twenty-five days. This is the team we should have beat. That we did. This is the game we should have won, and we did. Was anyone saying that coming into the game? Could we We're honestly, all, with a straight face, say we should win this game tonight? As a University of Cincinnati fan with a little bit of pompous and a little bit of arrogance, yes. Um, so, yeah, no, we should. This is this is a Cincinnati team that has talent. We've said this all year. The only thing that was holding us back from wanting to say we should beat this Temple team is the fact that we haven't – there's a lot of things going against us. We haven't practiced. We we had our first – only one five-on-five practice. We didn't have uh, Zach Harvey. We didn't have Mamadou. There's a lot of obstacles in the way, but our talent is – good enough that this team is a top tier team in the conference we had a really bad start out the gate so yes when i'm seeing us play a temple when i'm seeing us play a Tulane, when i'm seeing us play ecu these are games that i am expecting the cats to win there's games that i'm not expecting us necessarily to win that i think it should be at least be a fight i think we should be in a game that's a fight against smu it should be a fight against wichita it should be a fight against houston but there's no one in this, this league that I think that the Cats go up against that should be blowing us out. I think we should be no, blowing out the, the bottom tier of this league. That's the point. So don't start, don't come on the podcast and start calling for guys to play out of their comfort zone. Don't. This is development. It doesn't matter what happens. Hoist three-pointers. No, that's not how this works. Play basketball in a way that is with the intention and purpose of winning the game. And Mike Saunders Jr. shooting threes is not that. End of conversation. <laughs> I'll let you have the last word on that one, but I'll get you back one day. <laughs> well, we've covered the game, the basketball game extensively, Hummer, and there's not much else I really wanted to make sure we hit on, but I did think it would be fun to talk through some prop bets for the upcoming Super Bowl, but not just any prop bets. I want to talk through some prop bets specifically related to the, the GOAT of UC football, Travis Kelsey. Let's run through some prop bets. I've got them pulled up here. What are the talk- prop bets? I don't have these in front of me, so I'm, I'm pumped. I've got them. I'm going to talk through them, and me and you are going to hash out what the, what the best bets of the week are in terms of Travis Kelsey and the Super Bowl. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll just do a nice little fat parlay and see if Travis Kelsey can bring us some coin home, uh, at least hypothetically speaking, if gambling were legal. So to, to get us it's started legal where here, I live, brother. <laughs> <laughs> true, 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 true. So the first one we've got here is Travis Kelsey's odds to score a touchdown. He's minus 165. Do you have Travis Kelsey scoring a touchdown in this game? 100%. I have him scoring two. <laughs> you probably get good odds on that. Two I, touchdowns. I, it, You're not yeah. worried about Devin White and the athletic linebackers that uh, no. Tampa Bay has? No, I'm not worried about them at all. Like This is Just, Travis Kelsey on his way to becoming the best tight end in the history of the NFL. All right, I want to ask you a question about Travis Kelsey and with respect to his standing in the tight end spectrum. He is obviously one of the most productive receiving tight ends in history. Who are some of the other tight ends that come to mind in terms of all-time NFL tight ends? Antonio Gates, uh, Connor Barwin, uh, Brent Selleck. Connor Barwin. <laughs> <laughs> throw other Brent Selleck. No, give me some of the like, truly great tight ends in NFL. You got to go Rob Gronkowski. I get, okay, you go stop Gronk. at Rob Gronkowski. How old Stopping is Rob Gronkowski? How, uh, how old is Rob Gronkowski? 
you said greats. I'm not talking about a mate necessarily today. He's a dinosaur, isn't he? No, I'm just asking you though. How I old think is he's Rob- like 36. I think <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I think of Rob Gronkowski as like one of the elder statesmen of the NFL. Rob Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey are the same age. They are both <laughs> 31 years old, and I would have lost a lot of wait, money on that. Wait, day. what? That's right. Travis no, no, no. Kelsey, Say that again. Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski are the same age. They're both no, 31 they're 31? years old. Yes. What the fuck? Oh, sorry. This is live. Holy this, shoot. Rob Gronkowski. I'm turning, I, I'm turning 33 this weekend, and I thought they were older than me. It's because we associate him with Tom Brady, and Tom Brady is truly ancient. But, in fact, Rob Gronkowski started his career much later, and despite being a very young soul, despite being the party boy of the NFL, it just seems like he's been around for a while. And it, it kind of puts in perspective, like 31 feels, it is kind of old in NFL terms, but Travis Kelsey, his, produ- his productivity continues to rise and hopefully it continues to do the same in the Super Bowl. Well, I think so with we- Travis Kelsey, the other thing is he hasn't been plagued by injury. Exactly. The way Gronkowski has been. Gronkowski put himself out there in a way in terms of his body and in a in abusing it in a in a glorious way to the nfl uh where travis kelsey you haven't really seen him take as many gigantic crazy weird hits uh maybe because patrick mahomes is on his way to being an even bigger goat than than brady himself and just doesn't put his tight end in those weird awkward positions uh if you can't tell him i'm definitely rooting for the chiefs here to win this one um but yeah gronkowski antonio gates is another one that comes to mind Shannon Sharp. I mean, there's a lot of great ones, but it's cool. I mean, Travis Kelsey's going to be a sure thing, first ballot Hall of Famer. So very cool that he came from Cincinnati and is going to accomplish that. He's going to score two, 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 two touchdowns. In the so Bowl. if you have him scoring two touchdowns, his odds to be the first Chiefs touchdown are plus 350. If you truly think he's scoring two, he's probably going to be the first scorer, right? Yeah, the only issue I have with him scoring two is that Pat Mahomes is so dangerous in, in a two-way situation there that I could see, like, it's almost like a more of a 50-50 shot between him and Patrick Mahomes. I'm going. I, You're taking I'm it? Saying You're taking yes. that one? I'm saying yes on, on Kelsey scoring the first touchdown. So I have, I have you convinced that he's scoring two touchdowns. I don't know about two, but I think he's going to get one. So but let's go. Not only do you have one, though, now you, because you think I have him at two, you're saying he's going to score the first one. I'm going with you. I'm if he being scores the, the first one, he's scoring two. It's all about optimism. So we, the next one we have, receptions made over, over under 7.5. Minus 135 odds on over. That to me is a no brainer. Like, this is a guaranteed 10 reception game for Kelsey and Tyree Kill. Like, Mahomes is going to get those boys the ball. I know. Like, is this weird? What has there ever been a tight end to win the MVP? Oh, good question. I don't know. I don't know if it's possible. Honestly, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. I just, I don't know. Oh, we're getting there, Hammer. So, we're going to, we got two more props right now. We got two more (laughs) props. Longest reception. Under 25.5 yards is minus 110. Is his longest reception over or under 25.5? I think I like the under here. I like the unders. A lot of checkdowns. A lot of checkdowns. A lot of eight, nine-yard receptions falling across the line for a first down. That's what I see happening. And then our final prop, Hummer. Travis Kelsey to be named Super Bowl MVP plus 1,000. How are you feeling about that? You know what? For five bucks, I feel like I'm down on that one because he, I'm looking at, the, I have it right here in front of me. 
the Super Bowl MVPs and not one linebacker is on the list. In fact, I actually don't, I only see like a handful of non QB offensive players. And those players are either a few wide receivers, Heinz Ward, Deion Branch, and then we have some running backs in there, Emmett Smith, Otis Anderson, but then you have defensive players winning it. Um, so tight ends are not typically your they're no, they've never been your Super Bowl MVP. So screw it. I'm putting I would put five dollars down on that. <laughs> I love it. I love that's it. That's my head. That's if my you listen to our podcast, our advice for you is go heavy on the Travis Kelsey action in the Super Bowl prop game. But that's only hypothetical. We, Do they we have don't a know prop on there for how long it'll take him to chug like five beers down an ice luge? <laughs> They'll get, they're going to need one after the game. Uh, my sleeper pick for Super Bowl MVP is going to be Tyron. Tyron? I think I'm saying it right. Tyron Matthew, uh, the honey badger. Defensive mm. player, ball hawk, couple, couple picks on Brady, one pick six. If that happens, MVP cash in anyway i'm gonna leave it there buddy i am thrilled that uc basketball is not only back but they're back with the victory let's let's enjoy this i'm back i'm I'm pumped that we actually got to have a debate about it tonight this wasn't just some you know fluff piece for us we we genuinely got an argument about it debated over the merits of of mike saunders jr hoisting reckless for like 15 minutes we discussed mike saunders jr's uh prowess on the on the basketball court and what we need to do to see him increase his his usage rates there but look this one goes out to rob banks rob banks here tonight and i don't say that facetiously it might sound like it i think he did have actually have a i think he had a positive contribution he played his role on the court the only thing I'm disappointed is I wish he would have finished because I wanted to start the hashtag Rob Rob steals the bank, banking uh, it. Yeah, banking it. Anything, anything that has to do with it, you know, hit some bank shots. Uh, didn't see any of them fall, but you know what? We have another game coming up. Who knows? Maybe we'll see see him back in action. Tulane on Sunday. Can't wait to chat with you about it. Next week we are joined by Justin Williams. Look for it in your feeds. We're not recording on Super Bowl Sunday, so that'll be in your feeds on Tuesday. It's gonna be way too full of skyline. I I don't know. <laughs> All right, Hummer. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Cheers. Cheers.